Have you ever noticed that academic medicine is so backwards from so many other professions out there? I mean, what other jobs exist out there where you actually have to come up with your own salary? In this episode, we're going to compare how being a classical academic physician is actually much closer to being a business person or an entrepreneur than most other professions. So stay tuned until after the music and we'll be right back. Welcome to the Academic Revolution podcast, where we are creating a movement to change the future of academic medicine forever. I'm Inga Hoffman, a Harvard-trained pediatric hematologist, oncologist, and a passionate leadership coach with over 20 years of experience in academic medicine. This is the first podcast for academic physicians that will show you how to achieve higher productivity, become an impactful leader, and create a highly successful career doing what you love without sacrificing your personal life. You and I know that the traditional system is broken, so it's time to say no to the old publish or perish mentality and say yes to lasting change. Join me as we transform academic medicine from the inside out, one physician at a time, starting right here with the Academic Revolution podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Academic Revolution podcast. And today I want to talk a little bit about something different. We want to talk about the business of academic medicine and what it actually means to be an academic physician and how it is a lot closer to being a person that is in business than you actually think. And I might, uh, through this illustration, call out something in the open that you probably already at some level are aware of. But I hope that after this podcast, you really have your eyes wide open and you realize that being an academic physician is like running your own business. You know, a few weeks ago, I went to a medical conference for pediatric hemong, and I actually, for the first time, was an exhibitor as well. And I met up with one of my uh, board members there for our nonprofit organization where we had a booth, and we were chatting, and she was really excited as a patient, uh, as a mom, to learn how academic medicine really works. And so we had a lot of great conversations during our time there. And I was sharing with her how how it works when you are in academic medicine, because most people really don't have a concept what we actually do all day. They think we, you know, we take care of patients. I think that's what the patients see. That's what our relatives presume. But how much more goes into this, most people have no idea. And as we were talking, she was completely shocked that a lot of the physicians in academic medical centers actually have to come up, at least in part, with their own salary, especially for those folks of you that are 80-20 in your research and academic career, you can totally relate to it. And she was just so surprised she couldn't believe it because she had the impression, like most people do, you know, we're physicians, we get paid a good salary and that's all there is to it. And most people really don't have a concept of what we actually do. And 
This probably happened to you at some point, right? If you talk to your family, to your parents and other relatives that are not in medicine, especially not in academia, they have no concept or understanding how our day-to-day -day life actually looks like. I mean, my family, God bless them, but um, they have not really had any idea. Um, they, they see me as a physician. They know I'm on, working on the hospital ward and sometimes I'm in the clinic and seeing patients. But, um, you know, my my parents are very regular people. My, my dad used to be in car engineering and car racing, meaning not racing the car, but <laughs> developing the engines and tuning the engines for those kind of things back in Europe. And And my mom worked all sorts of different jobs. They were hardworking people, but they had no concept of what it actually looks like behind the curtain when you're in an academic medical center. So they are sometimes completely flabbergasted all the other things we have to do. And you'll probably um, have some similar experiences in your family where they have no real understanding what it means, how many facets there are to our job, and how much stressors those other facets bring on to us, especially considering the fact that at least in part we have to come up with our own salary, at least maybe not everybody, and right now I'm in a position where I don't have to do that, but most of us do to some degree. So if you really think about it, that is so crazy and no wonder our family members and other people and friends around us They, they draw a complete blank stare when, when we sort of talk about that. And think about it for a moment. You know, we work really hard. You work really hard in what you do. We all serve patients. We diagnose them. We treat them, sometimes in the in or outpatient setting. And that's probably as far as people have an understanding of what we do. But then many of you out there, you might be finding new treatments or at least participate in the discovery of new and better improved therapies in no matter what type of specialty or subspecialty you're in. You might be directly involved in that process through your basic or translational research or perhaps you are more a clinician, but you're indirectly involved in the process by implementing those therapies, maybe participating directly or indirectly in clinical trials. So we are all involved whenever you are in academia at some point in the progress of medicine and healthcare. And that's a wonderful thing. And that might be very hands-on uh, or directly involved at the root cause of it or at the root of it in a basic laboratory or in translational research or in the execution of it on the clinical side. And really all those facets are needed, but that's a topic for another day. But then think about it. We also educate and train the next generation of physicians and physician scientists out there through our teaching, our mentorship, whether it's during rounds or unofficial mentorship that we provide or, or teach maybe in a classroom setting. And a lot of these activities go above and beyond what our direct daily responsibilities are And honestly, it seems like a lot of it happens on our own dime and time, right? It's the icing on the cake, all the extra things we do that are not really noticed, but that take real time and effort and energy. And we do it because we believe in it.
And yet when you think about especially the research end of things, especially if you're a person who has to some degree support either your own salary or those research or even educational endeavors, you have to come up with monies to do so, right? It isn't something that usually is just there. It's something you have to figure out how to find and get those funds to support yourself and support your research or your educational interest. And quite frankly, yeah, put food on the table. And for those of you in 80-20 type of arrangements, the classical academic physician scientist, right? It's pretty much an 80-20 breakdown, meaning your job security depends on coming up somehow with that 80% of your salary. And I know this isn't news to you, but I think it is really important to remember that. And so I just wanted to highlight that and bring this to your forefront and understanding because I think it is so important that we wrap our head around what we're actually doing. So if you think about that, it's a really crazy system, right? And depending on who pays your salary at the moment and where you're hired and your arrangements, there's all sorts of different arrangements out there. You might be at the public university, at a governmental university, so taxpayers pay part of that, right? So you contribute in some ways as a citizen to that pie um, of money, at least directly or indirectly. And certainly, if you draw on on federal grant money, right, you draw on money that is coming through the taxpayer system. So it's a really fascinating and unique system that I think we don't often pause enough to actually reflect on, wow, that's really unique. And what does that actually mean for us? But at the bottom line, I think is this, if there is only perhaps even just a fraction of your own salary you have to come up with or your research dollars, you are in essence running your own business. And that is particularly true for those of you that are in an AD20 position. And you have to secure your own funding. And I cannot think about any other profession outside of academic medicine that actually works this way at least to my knowledge, the only comparable system is really an independent business owner, an entrepreneur that has to think about how they develop their business and raise their funds uh, so that they can carry out the work they want to carry out. And I think the other thing that's really interesting about what I just illustrated earlier, all the different roles we play, whether it's in clinical care and research, in education, in mentorship, in administration, it feels like when will we ever be valued for all the things we're actually doing? And sometimes it feels like not enough. And certainly the sense I, I personally get and the sense I think that when you talk to most academic physicians, most of us feel like I don't think people really see all the different facets of the work I actually do. So I'm saying all of this to just kind of help us think through. So what does it actually mean and how could that actually help you and me? How could it help you to think about 
well, if I'm really thinking about this from a different angle, if I'm not just an academic physician, but if I'm actually thinking as a business person, how would that inform me? Well, I think it gives a bit of a different perspective. You look at things from a different perspective and a different angle. And that can sometimes raise new awareness, give us new questions to ponder on, and see things we haven't previously noticed. So let's just think for a moment. If if you would be a business owner, or perhaps you're an inventor, put yourself in the shoes maybe even of some of your favorite inventors like Thomas Edison or something, where would you actually find your value in? And how would you find value in the work you do? And then from there, how do you bring that value to others? It's just something to reflect on. And I don't have all the magic answers here, but I want us to just think about that. Because it seems like I mentioned earlier, our society and our academic systems often seems to take what we do for granted or at least it feels like that for many people at times and that lack of appreciation and all that hard work that most academic physicians put in sometimes for decades seems to be unseen in some ways and sometimes we just I think want some appreciation that hey we are actually doing a lot of work that is tangible and meaningful and and get the support we need to continue to carry out that work. Because here's the other thing, you don't become good at your craft in just a short couple of years. The profession we are in as academic physicians particular, but in physicians in general as well, is you become good by doing it for many years over and over again, many times for decades before you become a real expert and hone in into your craft, into your niche area of expertise, right? You don't become a world-class surgeon out of medical school. It takes decades to practice that skill. You don't become a world-class internal medicine diagnostician or, or maybe even a family med doc if you haven't seen hundreds and thousands of cases walk through your door and gather that, not just that knowledge, but also that intuition and that clinical sense of pattern recognition. That just doesn't happen overnight. So knowing all of this, I encourage you to think about you have to value that part of yourself first before anybody else will actually be able to see it. And I think often we take it for granted that we have so much experience, that we put so much training in, that we know all these different facets uh, within medicine, that we participate in clinical care and research and education, etc. Until you really value that for yourself and the wonderful work you're doing, it will be very hard for others to value you. That's just what's a core principle of leadership. You have to value yourself first before others will value you. That's probably something you actually want to write down and really remember, if you don't value yourself, nobody else will. And as academic physicians particular, sometimes more so as women, we're not particularly good in tooting our our own horn and actually value what we do. We think that's normal and we take that up for granted. But it is not normal and most people cannot do what we do. 
So what does that mean then to value yourself? Well, it means taking care of you, believing in your own work, prioritizing your goals and your calling over the business of the system. And only really when you do that, when you prioritize yourself, your key goals, your vision and your priorities and values first, will others actually take notice. That is such an important part that comes up over and over and over again with, I have not had any coaching clients in academic medicine or any training sessions where that hasn't come up, that people tend to put themselves last say yes to a lot of things because they feel like they have to and with that become less productive. We talked about that in the past, but also value themselves less. Part of valuing yourself is actually setting up some natural good boundaries so you can do the best work and the best performance possible and not dilute down your energy and your focus. Let me give you another very practical example. So what does that mean to value yourself? Really, if you just say, I value myself, but I don't really support that in any actions in my life, it's a a bit like saying, you know, I really value my car as a mode of transportation, but I never bother to put gas in it or doing any maintenance to the car. What will happen eventually will break down. The same thing with you if you don't value yourself and care for yourself do the good maintenance that is needed to achieve your goals well it's gonna break down so i hope this just gives you some thought for reflection today was really just an episode to start reflecting on what it means to be in academic medicine that we actually have to have a little bit of a shift of perspective and say okay Now I realize that I have to look at this a little bit differently. To succeed in academic medicine, there's a lot of components needed. But one starts with, think about that you're actually running a business first, especially if you run a lab, that's very true, or any research group. And what does that mean then in your day in to day out activities? What would you do if you would really run a business and how would you be, how would you show up if you treated your academic job like running a business or being a business owner? What would life be looking like in a different way? And I want to hone in on that. So journal on that, reflect on that. Just look at that and pretend for a second you are a business owner. You run an academic center, not like a hospital, but you are a business owner. How would you approach things differently in what you have in front of you? And then in the next episode, I want to talk a little bit at this more closely. And then we're going to talk about some practical applications and steps, questions you should ponder on, things you should think about and learn how to think and act differently working from this mindset of being a business owner or an entrepreneur versus working from the mindset I am an academic physician, a big little cog and a big wheel of an academic institution. Once you shift your perspective of I'm not just here as a big uh, as a, a small hawk and a big wheel of an academic institution, but I'm actually an instrumental part and I'm my own business person, so to speak, everything will shift and it gives you a different perspective. Lastly, remember the other part, 
you will, again, when it comes to valuing yourself first, like we talked about earlier, the institution doesn't love you back. And I did episode one. Go back if you haven't listened to it. Listen to episode one. The institution doesn't love you back. You have to start with yourself first. There is no way around it until you start with valuing yourself first in thinking from your values, your priorities, your goals, your vision for your future and what you're here on this planet to do. Uh, it will be very hard to create change. But when you start doing that, you can change everything around you. So go back and listen to episode one. Hope this served you and we'll talk to you on the next episode. We'll dive deeper into some of the practical aspects of what to think about or how to think about as an academic business owner. Have a great day. Hey friend, before you go, I want to quickly let you know about an upcoming training that I want you to mark your calendars for. This is my famous Ditch the List Bootcamp. It's about a five-day training that runs from August 8th to August 12th with a little bonus coaching day. And this is quite a famous training for many academic physicians that people rave about because they come back over and over again. So what do you learn in this training? Well, the problem I see with most academic physicians is to learn and understand to not work from a never ending to do list, but rather work from priorities and get the right stuff done with ease. I will teach you how to break the mentality of chasing the to-do list and actually learn the tools and strategies that you need to actually get the right stuff done from the correct priorities. This is the type of training again people come back over and over for and I want you to be part of it. It starts August 8th. In order to get more information, here's what you need to do. First of all, mark your calendar, August 8th is the start day. Second, I want you to sign up for the wait list so that you will get notified about the training immediately. Go to Inga Hoffman, that is I-N-G-A-H-O-F-M-A-N-N.com forward slash ditch the list wait list. All one word, no hyphens in there. Ditch the list wait list. This one is really one you don't want to miss. I don't run this too often. It's been, I think, a year and people rave about it. So cannot wait to see you there and have a great week.